Thanks for listening to the weekly Overflow Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon. For more information, visit overflowindy.com or visit us on Facebook at Overflow Indy. looks like. You know, I found a great definition of joy when I was going through it, and a lot of times you'll see joy, people will mostly equate it with happiness, like that feeling of joy, like I'm just excited. It's just, you know, momentary, temporary. But joy from the definition that I found, which I really enjoyed, was joy is a state of mind and an orientation of the heart. It is a settled state of contentment, confidence, and hope. That, to me, is what true joy is. It's actually a state of being, a state of actually residing and not like a temporary fleeting moment. When we go for joy, when it's more of the emotion and the happiness, it's out of our own strength and we're trying to create it, that's when we have that temporary fleeting moment and we don't have anything to hang on to. How do we obtain joy? Obviously, we have one of the most joyful people in the world. That's our Father. We get to attain it from Him. Connection with God is how we get to connect in and receive that joy, that state of being. It's confidence in who He is and who we are in Him. That really brings us in to the true state of being joyful people. As Christians, we should be the happiest people in the world. I don't know if you hear me. Y'all are too serious. (laughs) We gotta stop being so in our heads and in our minds and in our own little thoughts and worlds about what life should look like and how much we should be doing and striving and we gotta get it all done. Because it's like, my goodness. Y'all, it's so much easier than that. (laughs) It's so easy. Because all we have to do is abide. One of my favorite people that actually taught me this wonderful, wonderful thing called joy beyond God himself was Mark Brooks. Mark Brooks is an amazing man. He actually is over the VSSM Bethel Supernatural School of Ministry, uh, one of the head leads up there. And I would remember he would come out <laughs> and he would just start talking. You didn't really know where he was going with it. You didn't really know what it was going to be about. But he would just kind of almost ramble I would call it English tongues, because it was like, you didn't know what was going on, but somehow it made sense in your soul. Somehow you got it. You understood it. Your mind was like, these words don't match, but it matches here. That is the transcending glory of God. It just goes past our minds, past all of our filters, and all the things that we used to try to process and filter out to make sure we got it right, to make sure we actually heard it because we gotta be perfect. <laughs> Just laugh at that. <laughs> like, <laughs> that we have to be perfect, yeah. Come on. <laughs> and I just remember him coming out and he would just hold his hands out and just start laughing. And sometimes he would just laugh and sit there and you, that's it. 
and you were just sitting there like, is there going to be something next? <laughs> then you would feel this presence come on you. And it was this peace and this joy. Not the joy of just excitement, but this overwhelming confidence that you're secure, that you're safe. You're in a place where you feel comforted and whole. You don't feel insecure and worried that I have to have it all together. I feel like I have a good father looking at me, laughing and joyful and happy and just excited to be with me. That's the happiest moment of God's life is just to be with you. It's all he ever wants. It's to be with you. You are the joy of his life. When we actually realize who we are, oh, y'all, that is our greatest weapon. That is our greatest strength. It really is. <laughs> I find oftentimes, you know, getting that joy and receiving, we get it and we're in that moment and we feel so excited and just thrilled and revived. And we're like, yeah, we got this. We're pumped up. We're feeling confident in who we are. We feel like I know who I am. I'm excited. And then what happens? We have that little voice just creep in. Are you strong enough? But can you really? All those lies that like to speak to us and just throw us off. And they're so still whispers because the enemy doesn't like to be obvious oftentimes. No, no, no. He'll say it's through a friend. It's our perceptions, our lenses that he'll use. Because if you think about it, how many times has someone or a friend said something and you heard one thing, they meant another? How many times has what their heart said not been what you heard? The enemy will take words and twist them and use them and make us get suspicious. We love being suspicious. We love overthinking and getting so introverted and so introspective that we like to pick apart every piece of who we are and break down our identity. That is what the devil will use against you because the devil's greatest fear, I'll tell you what it is, is that you would find out who you are. That is what he's most afraid of. Because if you find out who you are, you find out who God is and who you are in him, he is worthless. Every word spoken won't matter. So how is it we can monitor our mind, get rid of, my favorite was uh, Steve Backer talking about stinking thinking. <laughs> letting all these negative thoughts get in our head and we just let them roll and run and race and it's so simple it always starts with just something little and then it rolls down this rabbit trail anyone that's ever gone through anxiety or attention stress depressions you know that you know what i'm talking about it just rolls and it goes deeper and deeper until we're just so ensnared and shackled to it and it's just like oh my goodness then you feel so ensnared that you're like where do i even go from here what do i even do Learning how to govern our thoughts, govern our mind, and steward the joy that we have is a great strength. At first, it can be difficult because it's so easy just to run down that rabbit trail. But the more active we are in connection, the more active we are in standing in joy, the easier it becomes. That little thought is, it's not who I am. Because you find out when you know who you are, you know who you're not. 
you don't know it's not you if you don't know who you are. You think, maybe that is me. I don't know who I am. Maybe I am that. Who are you? Do you know who you are? Are you all alive? <laughs> I know it's a lot of deep and heavy, fun stuff, but at the same time, like joy is so exuberant, but it's so real and raw at the same time. Like it's something that we grab onto and joy is always there. Let me tell you this, God never stopped giving you joy. You just stopped receiving it. Let me say that again. God never stopped giving you joy. You just stopped receiving it. Joy is always there. So just do on that for a minute. Connection. It's what it's all about. And the greatest ploy for the enemy is to distract us from that. It's those simple distractions, those feuds between each other that he tries to get us and get our mind off topic, the true topic, which is God. Like he wants us to go down into these different areas and get into the flesh world when it's like we're not a flesh anymore. We fight not against flesh and blood, but of powers and principalities. We gotta get out of the world and into the spirit. We gotta get into God's heart. We gotta stop being so troubled by things that just aren't worth our time. There's a bigger picture. There's a bigger value. Knowing your true worth and your true value, that right there is what secures you. That right there, knowing who you are in God and how much he actually loves you, that'll make you want to change the world. <laughs> it's so easy because it's so natural because it comes from an overflow. When I feel so broken and insecure, how could I ever want to do anything? How could I believe that people are worth something when I can't even believe I'm worth something? Y'all, I can't give what I don't have. I can't give what I don't have. I have to get it first. I have to know that I'm amazing and truly confident in the reality that I am a son, that I am a daughter in the living God, that I'm a child of a king. Y'all, it's okay to be confident. That's not pride. No, no, no. We can be confident and humble. So stop thinking that pride is confidence because that's two separate topics right there. <laughs> Let's throw that out. Being confident is just being secure. It's just knowing it's fact. I never have to argue a truth. You can always tell, like in any argument, how much security you have in the truth because it's fact. So you don't really have to argue it because it's fact. It's like the sky's blue. Well, I think it's purple. Good for you. I'm not really worried because it's not going to change the reality. I know the reality is blue <laughs> you know we have to step into this place where we actually realize that our thoughts and our minds and our state of being also pours out onto those around us stewarding our joy what does that look like 
we already talked about governing our minds. And that's the biggest part, I'd say, of stewarding our joy, not letting things get to us. And actually the outside coming in. But what about the inside coming out? How do we govern that internal world? What do we do to actually fill ourselves? Because joy is active. Connection is active. You have to actively pursue God. This is not just to sit at home and he's just there. Yeah, he is. But if you're not listening, what's it worth? What's it worth? It's the same with any relationship that you have with friends, family, anything, and especially in community. How actively are we pursuing each other? How actively are we sewing in? It takes work. It takes time. That's what makes it valuable. If it didn't take any work or effort, it'd have no value. Wow. <laughs> Treasure the things that we have because we put all of ourselves into it. The more you put in, the more you get out. That's how it will go in life. That's how it goes with God. The more you put in, the more you'll get out. You guys still with me? Registering? Hitting you too hard? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. You know, in some seasons, joy is so easy. It's easy because life is, you know, it's simple. It's refreshing. There's not much going on. And it feels so that God's just at our fingertips. Like we can just feel that presence every day. We wake up and like, he's here. And, you know, you're so happy every day. And you got that joy flowing through you. But then there are seasons where it's not like that. Where you wake up and you think, God, where are you? I am in pain. I don't know what to do. What does joy look like in the midst of pain? What does it look like when there's chaos and confusion and the enemy's trying all the tactics of the lies and the whispers? Because that's when he's going to hit you. That's when he wants to get you. Because if I can lock you down now, how are you ever going to get out? We have to wake up to the tactics of the enemy. But better yet, we have to wake up to the reality that connection is active. Because it's not going to matter what the enemy does if my focus is God. If it's so loud, it drowns out everything else, then I'm on the right track. And we're going to hit times where we're going to have problems that we run into. I think, I think it's Bill that says this, which I love. He's like, you know, if you don't run into a demon here and there, you're probably not going the same way as them. Like, you know, you're probably not going the right direction. If you don't run into an obstacle, you're probably not going the right way. So why would I stop you if you're not doing anything to hurt me? Like, well, sure, keep going. <laughs> you know? We're going to have those days where we wake up and we have to choose joy because in reality, happiness and joy is a choice. We have to choose it actively wholeheartedly and go, God, you know what? I know that today this just feels horrible. I know that I do not feel valuable. I know I don't feel myself. But at the end of the day, your truth stays the same. How I feel does not dictate reality. 
how I feel does not dictate truth. So I can stand firm in knowing that this is my truth, whether I feel it or not. And oftentimes I can tell you, when you make that wholehearted decision to latch in and to confidently grab onto that trust and hope, you'll start to change because your emotions will line up with truth. I had this uh, wonderful man tell me he did sozo at Bethel. He called it the F train, and it was the engine was fact, and it was going, and then we had faith in the middle, and then we had feelings at the end, the caboose. And he was like, if you try to have that caboose, try to drive your train, it's not going to go anywhere. It's out of a line. It's not going to move. We're trying to push ourselves. But when I put my trust in the fact, when I put my faith in the facts and reality of who God is, it's going to pull my feelings into alignment. It's going to pull it like a train on a track because they're connected, they're aligned, they pull together. But if I let it define my circumstances and not just realize, hey, I can just move forward and it's gonna line up, I'll just stay like that. I'll stay out of the line. I'll stay in discourse. I just want to say, just a thought to think on, how do we actively pursue connection with God? Because as we're saying, joy is not just a feeling, it's not just the present, it's that true connection, that security in who I am that is really joy. And oftentimes, you know, we go down the route of prayer and soaking and worship, which I love. And it's amazing, and it's true. And sometimes, let me tell you what, you need to just worship your face off. <laughs> good Lord, it looks dark. <laughs> but <laughs> there's also times when we need to realize that connection with each other is our greatest strength as well. There is a piece of God in every single one of you a piece of his personality of who he is, we are each beautifully and wonderfully made. We all reflect his personality, his life, his vibrance. We can learn something from everyone. Every single person has something you don't have. When we start thinking that way, we start valuing others. We start to realize that maybe my thoughts aren't just the greatest in the world only. <laughs> maybe others have something to give maybe my lenses have as Chris calls them boogers on them which is my favorite thing that he says by the way it says like little boogers it's hilarious by the way what lens are we seeing life through because we have our own worldview. we have our own perspective on life so are we awake to the fact that we actually might be seeing something that's distorted? Then maybe we need to correct our own lens, our own line of vision, our own sight. Wow. <laughs>
I'm looking through my notes because I have so many, so many things <laughs> that it's just like been feeling out today. You know, God, what are you saying and what are you doing? And really, just even preparing for all this, it was all about joy and identity. And that's why I dove into this. But in reality, it's a wake-up call to realize how amazing we are, to stop feeling so defeated and so worn down and weary that we're actually in a great place right now in this world of victory. It may seem so dark, y'all, but God has never been greater. He's never been stronger. He is not weakened by any of this. I believe we're about to step into something so amazing. I've been saying it, that there is a move of God, and it is already happening. We can either choose to line ourselves up with it and take joy in it and hope and have faith in the fact, the reality, the promise, or we can choose to follow our feelings. And just we don't feel it. We just see the reality of what's going on in the world and the, the what was me. Oh my goodness. Feeling sorry about ourselves, isn't that just the most fun thing in the world? <laughs> like, I always laugh. It's one of the most selfish things is feeling sorry for ourselves. So me, oh boo, oh me, me, me. Hopefully I offend some people. <laughs> you know, I like making jokes. <laughs> It's true, though. It's okay to have times of defeat and to feel weak and to not feel okay. But when we let it define us and we let that be our whole life and our state of being, that's when it becomes that self-centered focus. That's when it becomes infectious. You know, it starts infecting the whole body. It's like it's going septic, if you ever heard of that. But one piece and it just begins to infect everything because we allowed ourselves to get so ingrained in ourselves and so filled with our own sadness and remorse and our own problems. We focus in on just our lives and we get so self-focused that we forget that there's such a bigger picture. You know, what does it look like to see even our own problems from God's perspective, but also the world's problems from God's perspective? Like, how do we actually take His vision for the world and play it out in our lives. You know, God will say things that you'll pick up and you're like, this is for, you know, a world. This is what's going on. And then there's the specifics that this is personal for me. But in reality, his vision is not disconnected. The two aren't separate. They're the same. How does your life, your vision, your call, the things God's speaking to you in this time line up with the reality of the entirety. How do they connect? Don't just be focused on where you're going, but where is it you're going that affects this? You know, we break down our three pillars of know God, build family, change the world. That's really what this is. Because to have joy, we gotta know God. <laughs> To retain that joy, we got to build a family. And out of that joy, oh, Lord, we're going to change the world. <laughs> Do you 
Do y'all believe it? <laughs> like, for real, do you believe it? Do you believe that we are capable of changing the world? Is it just like a saying now? Is it just we've become relaxed in it and it's just, yeah, we're going to change the world. Let's actually do it. <laughs> you know? It's something active. We can't be passive. We can't be passive. We can't just stand idly by and let life happen to us. We have to happen to life. We're only here for a short time. It may feel like forever, but eternity and the span of just a lifetime is long. I don't know if you get that. But we got a timeline, y'all. Do you want to get to the end of it and think, I did every single thing that I could to make this world look like God, to change it, to show who he truly was? My biggest fear is to go and realize that I didn't learn how to love. Because love is the center of it all. If we don't learn how to love each other, what were we here for? Love entangles with everything. It entangles with joy. It entangles with all because God himself is love. And you know, I just said before, we can't give what we don't have. So if I don't love myself, how can I love others? Staying in that place of knowing and loving God, like it says, you know, we love God because he first loved us. Our love is a response to his. It's a response to the love. We were created to be loved and to love. When we're not loving one another, we're not loving the world, we're operating completely out of our own identity because love is the foundation of who we are. Yeah. When we step outside of love, we lose ourselves. We lose that foundational truth that it's what life's all about. It is love that put Jesus on a cross. He got up there for you. He got up there for me. Because he loved you. You know, the greatest verse that we hear all the time, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We hear it over and over and over again. Do we realize the greatness of that verse? God so loved you. He so loved us that he died on a cross for us. That we could have joy and life everlasting. He died because he believed that you had value. When you say that you're not valuable, you say that that wasn't worth it. Let me say that again. When you say that you aren't valuable, you degrade the value of that cross, of that sacrifice. Because he said you were valuable. 
He said, you're so valuable, you're worth my life. You're not just worth your, my life, you're worth the life of my son. That's how much I love you, that's how much I value you. How dare you think different? <laughs> you are no less. Don't let your thoughts race and dive into the depths and think little of yourself because it degrades the value of who he is and who he said you are. Y'all tracking with me? Okay. Awesome. <laughs> so, <laughs> I want to talk next on this amazing, wonderful man that I had got the experience of meeting when I was at Bethel and got to be under. Um, his name is Chuck Perry, one of the most joyful, amazing people ever. Like, he's, he's the director of the healing rooms out there right now, which I spent time in as well. And his countenance, everything he does is from this place of joy. I remember <laughs> in first year of BSSM, I went into, we have what's called AMTs, Advanced Ministry Trainings, like little breakout sessions where we teach on specific topics, and he was teaching on the healing AMT, so I thought, yeah, I want to go to that one. That sounds awesome. So I went in, and first thing he does is he just walks in, arms out, and just, <laughs> and he has like this deep, like, laugh that just bellows through, and he's just laughing. That's it. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, this is going to be good. <laughs> like, oh my goodness, that class was wild. Let me tell you what, like there were just angels everywhere. The glory was just flowing like crazy. And I was like, my goodness. Every time I would see Chuck, like he's always just carefree. It was just this nature of like, something's going wrong. He's like, <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, like bummer. <laughs> and just moving on, like it's not going to deter him from the reality that joy is his state of being. That's when I realized it was like joy is not just something that I can have for a moment. It's not just an experience with the Holy Spirit. It's not just a manifestation, but it's actually the state of what I can be walking in daily. It's something I can have hope in daily. And spending time in the healing rooms, I got to do a Skype and was the overseer for the Skype teams and being around Chuck, <laughs> I'm telling you, it will change your world <laughs> because Chuck carried the joy of God and it would just infect everywhere around you like it would overflow every morning when we would go into healing rooms we'd walk in like this big old circle and we would just stir the pot <laughs> just stir up the glory of God and just know his presence is here and we would just be laughing with each other and it was that camaraderie of the presence of God where it wasn't just experiencing God individually, but experiencing it with others as a community, a presence-filled community, walking in joy, loving one another, feeling secure in who we are and being okay with weaknesses, being okay with not being perfect, being okay with relationships having tension or problems. That's life. That's human. That's normal. And having that joy in the midst of it all and knowing our imperfections don't define us, that's what just rocked my world. 
like, I'll tell you one of the greatest things for me in 20, February 7th, 2015, remember the day, I was at uh, work in Reading, and I was going upstairs to clock in at work, and there were these sandpaper gripping on the stairs. And the stairs, they would go upwards, they'd turn, and then go up the other direction. So there's like a wall here as you're going up. And as I was going up, the sandpaper gripping ripped. And so instead of falling flat, I shot headfirst into the wall. And when I hit it, the doctor said I hit just right, quote unquote, to where it recoiled so quick on my spine that it shot my disc into my spinal cord. Took a chunk out of the disc, and shot another disc off to the side. Cool. Painful. Not fun. That injury I have gone through since that time. Still to this day, I'll have pains from that injury. And still to this day, I will always pray for healing. Because I don't let it define me. I can tell you so many times of literally being in healing rooms with an injury that literally would cripple me. It's where I used to walk with a cane, by the way. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. And seeing people healed all around me. I could choose to go introspective and go, God, why not me? What am I doing wrong? Those thoughts try to come. But if I let it captivate me, it would have killed me. It would have made me so defeated. And I thought, you know what, God? No matter what happens, no matter where I'm at in life, you're the one that defines me. I will continue to do and follow the reality of who you are, not my circumstances. Because if I let that define me, I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't be with you all. I wouldn't be who I am. And I know so many times in healing rooms I would speak about, you know, the pains and all that, and I would see people healed all the time. Sometimes of things that were also similar to what I had. It was amazing. And I love it. Like, God is wild, and it baffles my mind. <laughs> like, my favorite thing in healing rooms, too, is getting people out of their heads. Because we try and strive so hard to get our healings because we need Jesus to come right now. And it's like I see people so intense, like we're praying, and they're just like, yes, Jesus, yes, Paul. And then, like, I was joking with someone the other day. Sometimes I just went to someone's nose, and I went, boop. <laughs> and they just start dying laughing, and then they get healed. God is not, like, his functions don't rely on you and your ability to strive to get it. He is healer. That is a fact. That is the reality. Us getting so caught up in our minds is what distracts us oftentimes from receiving what is rightfully ours. That's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to distract you. As we mentioned before, that stinking thinking, that working, that striving, that making life so hard and difficult when it really just needs to be as simple as receiving and just being open, turning our focus to him, and just being still. 
I know for me, oftentimes, like my mind's racing and I'm thinking and I have to stop myself and just go, whoa. <sighs> Let's stop. God, you're good. And I just bring it back to the basics. Bring it back to the foundation. Stop overthinking it all. Especially trying to figure out problems and like how to get things done or to do things. And it's just like, you know, no. Just relax, stop, breathe. He's good. He's good. That's the truth. Sometimes instead of trying so hard to figure it out, we got to just turn on some worship and lay down. Sometimes we just need to watch a funny TV show. Gods and movies, y'all. Sorry, I believe it. <laughs> Listen, we just need to get our minds off things sometimes. And I'm telling you, our overthinking is what's keeping us from the answer. Oftentimes we're looking for something so hard through our own lenses that we're finding all these things. And yeah, you'll find something if you look for it because you're looking for it. You know, Chris said it once, which I loved, was, you know, you ever get a car and you've never seen that car before? And then you see it everywhere once you got it. I'm looking for it because now I see it. Like, do you see where I'm going with that? Like, it starts popping up everywhere because I'm looking for it. So if I'm looking for an answer, I'm going to see it through my own lens, through my own heart, through what I want, my desires. But when I realize God's good and he's got it and I trust in him, I know that answer is going to come to me naturally. I still want to be actively pursuing that connection. I still want to be open to hearing. But at the same time, I don't have to try and figure it out. You can try all day long. You will not figure God out. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's not going to happen. <laughs> you can sit there all day. He is far too wise, far too smart, far too vast, far too beyond our own concepts for us to fathom. So when we try to figure things out that are of his world and his greatness, it's a waste of our time. We'll be spinning in circles, looking crazy. <laughs> And we do it all the time. <laughs> I do it all the time. And I'm like, Jesus, I just wasted like an hour of my life thinking about this. And he's like, yeah, that was silly, wasn't it? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, it was. Cool. You want to watch a movie? Yeah. <laughs> like, man, what a waste of my life. <laughs> what a waste of my time worrying. Worry is just the exact opposite of joy. That anxiety, that stress, those fears is the opposite of that content state of being. When we let stresses of life and our own selves get in the way of being content with God, that's what pulls us because your joy will always be there, but I can take it for a minute. Who stole your joy? Who stole your peace? So many times I'm walking through my day and I'm going and you won't even realize it. You just realize, man, I'm just frustrated. And what we need to go, stop. Why am I frustrated? Why? Stop and ask yourself why. Because at some point, something happened to change that. Something happened to take your contentment. The being content with God is that joy that you have in yourself. This is super fun with the wind, by the way. I feel Jesse on a real level today. 
<laughs> and so I'll ask God, you know, especially if I'm stressing, like, you know, working on something, whatever it may be, and I just stop and go, okay, where, what happened here? And you think back and like, God, show me why am I frustrated? And sometimes you'll go back to like days if you've kept yourself unchecked. And it was like, oh, that person said that. That offended me. That hurt me. That made me angry. And I've let it fester this whole time. If we allow ourselves and our internal worlds to go unchecked, that's when we get all these stresses and anxieties that build. They build, and then they'll blow. Then you have those days where you're just so angry and so built up. Trust me, that didn't just happen. <laughs> that didn't just come out of nowhere. It has been building because we've left ourselves unchecked. We have to continuously be purging and going through and removing and making ourselves stay in a place of joy. Being actively connected with joy isn't just getting all introspective and going like, where's all of these things and all of that. It's actively staying in the identity and truth of who I am and actively monitoring and governing ourselves. Am I letting things get to me and really affect me in that way? It'll be hard at first, I'll tell you that, if you haven't done it, but it gets easier and easier to throw those thoughts out. What I always told you know, students too, I was like, if it's something negative, it's not you. It's not your thought. It wasn't meant to be your thought. Just throw it out. Well, what if I thought it? I don't care. Throw it out. It doesn't belong to you. It shouldn't be your train of thought. So throw it out. Don't give it your time. Give your time to what actually it's due to. Give your time to something that actually will add value to your life, not subtract from it. Another thing is like how, like we've talked about the steward and joy, but how do we actually give out joy and overflow from that place? You know, we've, we've governed ourselves, we have that joy. I'm feeling confident and true in my identity. How can I help others to also grab onto that joy? Because I'm telling you, when you know who you are, as I said before, you get so excited. You're like, I wanna change the world. I wanna see everyone see this, feel this, experience this. It's so raw, it's so real. And getting to pour that out on others is one of the most beautiful things. It's the reason for me, it's what it feels like the reason for my existence is to see others changed by God. Like, that's what I want to do. I want to see the world experience God. He says, we owe the world an encounter. That's what Bill always says, and I love it. It's true. That is what we're here for. To bring an encounter with God. You are a walking encounter. Did you know that? You are a walking encounter. When people encounter you, they should be encountering a piece of God. Do you get that? Let that sink in. Everyone we walk into, everyone we speak with, we have the opportunity of simply being ourselves. <laughs> We can act outside ourselves and then we're not showing God. 
or we can just be ourselves. And it's as easy as that. It's so hard to be ourselves sometimes, too, because we feel we have to perform in some way. But when we relax and realize the true value that I was created perfectly, then it changes everything. To think otherwise <laughs> is to think God is capable of making something imperfect. To think that I'm not good enough questions his abilities. Like when we think to that level of what we're really questioning, when we question how amazing we are, how beautifully made we are, we realize we're questioning the creator of the heavens. That will blow your mind. Blew mine. <laughs> I don't know about you all. <laughs> this may just be another day. But for me, I was like, my goodness, Jesus, I am sorry. I'm sorry for thinking of myself in such a bad light because you created me perfect. I'm sorry for thinking that I had to be this or that or do this or that to look a certain way or to be a certain way because that means that I didn't believe what you first created was perfect in and of itself. I believed I had to add on to make it better. Perfect means it's the best. It can't be made better. I can't add anything to make perfect more perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. Say that again and again. <laughs> oh, man. I'm having fun. You all having fun? Good. Good. I'm glad. Awesome. Your words are powerful. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. When we realize that, we realize, one, how effective our words are towards ourselves, as we've mentioned, and towards others. What I say about myself and what I choose to partner with that's said about me, that is what will begin to define me. That's why we love declarations. Because we're saying who we actually are. Because my words are powerful. Your words are powerful. What you say, you are speaking into existence. How powerful is that when you speak to one another? How can we create joy in an atmosphere of community when we speak with another? How quickly can one word cut down someone? And how quickly can it build them up? Life and death. We have the choice every day for how we respond. When someone says something that hurts, do we react or do we respond? Do we just pour out quickly or do we stop and think? Do we filter it through God's eyes, through God's hearts? Because I can tell you things that are said People aren't intentionally inside. It's coming from something else. When they say something hurtful, it's usually because they're in pain. They themselves are hurting. There's something so much deeper than you that's affecting them. Maybe they actually need love. When we don't become so offended and so pushed aside and let our joy be taken by others' words, but we stop to think and let our atmosphere stay strong. 
connect with God to find the truth and the reality, then we can filter. Then we can see the truth. We can see people for who they really are. Y'all, there's a lot of dirt in this world, but I can tell you there's more gold. Everyone has dirt, but to get to the gold, you have to dig. It takes some work. It takes some time. That's why it's always like, you know, you meet someone for the first time. You ever had someone that you meet, and you think something about them right off the bat, and you're like, huh? Then you get to know them, and it totally changes your perspective about them completely. It's because you've uncovered them. You've gone deeper than the surface, and you've narrowed down to the truth, the more raw and realness. It takes time to get to that. But I can tell you, God does it in an instant. He sees the true gold right away. So when you ask him for his vision for someone, for what he thinks of someone, he'll give it to you right then. He'll show you how truly amazing they are. Just ask him. So instead of getting offended, stop and go, God, that hurt. That wasn't fun. We don't have to condone and throw aside the fact that that wasn't fun or that something hurt or that it made us not feel the best. But we can choose to partner with that pain or we can choose to partner with the one who's the healer and who knows the truth of what's coming from that. And so I can go, God, what's the reality here? Because that didn't feel good. Well, this is actually what's going on. Ah, the truth, the clarity, because it's the truth that sets us free. It's those lies that get to us. Like I said before, someone will say something and the enemy will twist those words and take you down that rabbit trail where our minds will race and think all sorts of things. And we didn't just stop and take a moment to invite truth and reality in. If we had just done that, and you've been on having the happiest day of your life, <laughs> you know, how much time, life, and energy is wasted on stresses and worries, thinking about things that people said or did, or what we did or said. I know sometimes, like, if you've ever spoken or done things, and you can really like, oh, I said that. What if they thought I did this? And what if, oh, what about this? And, oh my goodness, did I, did I do that right? <laughs> no, we just get content with ourselves and being okay with mistakes that worry flows away. Because it's okay to be messy. It's family, it's life, it's community. We're individuals, we're humans. God didn't want us to just walk around being little perfect people. If he wanted that, he would have just made us that. He didn't mess up. We're perfect how we are, but perfect is messy sometimes. You know, sin, the wonderful thing that came in and took that perfection from us. That's when we stepped out of the identity because we latched onto a different one. And we let it define us. But when Jesus died on that cross, it said our old man died and our new man raised. Are you still hanging on to the old man? Are you alive? <laughs> because you're perfect again. You're made alive in Christ. It's good. 
I love looking at all your faces. go ahead and I want to pray. I want to pray into the atmosphere, into ourselves, into what God is doing. Before I do it, is this registering with everyone? Just let me know. Y'all tracking with me? Cool. I want to make sure we're connected here. (laughs) We're having fun. But I really feel like we're just stepping into the most wonderful opportunity in the world where we get to connect with the creator of God, the creator of heavens, sorry, who is God, that we actually get to step into changing the world together. It's not just going to be an individual thing. It requires a community. It requires us to be united. It requires action. And I really believe we're about to see the presence of God pour out greater than ever before. It's going to become so easy, you all. (laughs) I'm ready even right now. I can just feel the presence. (laughs) He's here. (laughs) There is a joy in the atmosphere. Let's get so connected with his presence that we can't be taken from it. Let's be so filled that he can never be removed from us. Let's drown out the voice of everything else presence of the Almighty God.